Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the word. Good to see everybody this morning in uh, light of today's being Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, all you fellas. Can we give the guys a hand? Y'all like, see, that's dirty though. Y'all, that's dirty because on, on Mother's Day, you, all you guys want us to holler and scream and do all of that, but we'd say, hey, give the men a clap. Y'all like that. Can we give the fellas a hand clap in this place? Come on. Much better. Awesome. Well, listen, uh, with today being Father's Day, I just simply have a, a few little thoughts about men that I'd like to share. And uh, you. <laughs> so, le- a few. I- I'll go ahead and, uh, you know, basically put a disclaimer here that th- this will not be long. And, uh, anyways, but there's a lot about this subject, but I'm going to hit some highlights. So, you may agree with it, you may not. We'll find out shortly. If you disagree with it, uh, tell Angelo. Okay? All right, here we go. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, God, we thank you for every man that's in this house today. Lord, we thank you for their lives. We thank you for the plan and the purpose that you have for them today. And Lord, we just ask that today would be a day, God, where uh, the manhood, the design, the identity that's, that's really just given from you would be reclaimed in their hearts today. And uh, Father, we realize that we live in a day and age that would try to rob and steal every bit of your plan for our lives. And Lord, we just ask today, uh, God, what the enemy has tried to take from us would be restored today. And uh, Father, we thank you just for the opportunity to honor these men and honor them as the spiritual leaders of their home. And uh, Father, most of all, we honor you as Abba, as Papa, as Daddy God. Lord, today is just another opportunity to say that you're a good dad. And uh, Lord, we bless you and we honor you. Thank you for your anointing. Holy Spirit, do what you do best and let's change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, have you ever noticed that the man who typically plays the role of a husband or a father uh, on most evening sitcoms is typically portrayed as an absolute idiot? Most of the time he's incompetent and he's emotionally immature. And, you know, obviously because this fella is typically void of all common sense, much less any spiritual wisdom, he is typically ill-equipped or too dumb, if you want to make it plain, uh, to lead his family or to accomplish anything of significance. Would you all agree with that? And, uh, you know, the outcome of that is simply this, is that his kids ignore him and his wife treats him like a child. Now, why some people, I, I think, obviously, because these things keep happening on TV, why some people think these things are entertaining and maybe just another way to get a cheap laugh, in my opinion, these TV shows basically feed into another, basically a more significant problem that we have as a culture. And that's simply this, that somewhere, we'll throw it up here, that somewhere along the way, we both, men and women, because it's not just men, but it's men and women, have lost sight of a man's God-given identity and the responsibilities that come along with it. As you can expect, when a man loses sight of what he's been called to do, he will inadvertently do this. He'll start living from another image or another design that didn't come from God, but what basically was given to him by the influences around him. You know, some people may think this is really far-fetched, but I believe we would be foolish not to see the hand of the enemy in this. And I think it's uh, just another ploy 
of how the enemy is not only trying to disempower us as men, but how he's also trying to erode the very family structure that, that God gave us, right? It, really, the family structure that men are supposed to be the head and the lead of, yes? So, you know, call me crazy, but I believe that through these uh, quote-unquote entertainment you know, things that kids learn and think it is acceptable not only to dishonor their father, but also to mock him. And I think at the same time that women learn and think it's acceptable to disrespect and to belittle their husbands. Now, in short, once again, that may be far-fetched to some of you, uh, but the enemy's sneaky. And uh, I think it's his way or one of the ways that he desires to bring division into the family. Can I get an amen on that? So a simple point that I want to make here right off the top is this, is that it's extremely difficult for any man, any man that's in this room, to feel empowered and to, be, and to be successful at what God has called him to do when his kids don't honor him and when his wife doesn't respect him or support him, basically in his efforts of being the family's only protector. That's easy for a woman. To be the provider, that's easy for a woman. But what is hard is when she has to support him to be the spiritual leader of the home. Now, I want you to know today that, ladies, your children will follow your example in that. And, you, you know, let me maybe say this kind of off top here, and I want to say this with great grace. Ladies, I think you have to understand that, that just because your husband doesn't pray as much as you pray doesn't mean he can't lead your home. Just because he can't quote as many Bible verses as you can doesn't mean he can't lead the home. God can speak to him just as much in 15 minutes, 30 minutes, as he can you in three hours. Okay, now that doesn't mean, fellas, that we don't get a spiritual discipline and learn how to pray ourselves. Yes, okay. But, but, but I think sometimes we put a different measuring stick on men that doesn't belong there from God. Is that basically an easy way to say that? Hopefully that makes sense. But anyways, going back to the top, commercial over. Going back to the top of uh, how, we, how we, uh, we, once again, men and women, have lost sight of a man's God-given identity or God-given design, I, I think this guy named John Eldridge, some of you guys may have heard him before or not, he's a popular Christian author, but he put it this way. He said this. He said, society at large can't make up its mind about men. Having spent the last 30 years redefining masculinity into something more sensitive, safe, manageable, and, well, feminine, it now berates men for not being men. Boys we be boys, they sigh, as though if a man were to truly grow up, he would forsake wilderness and wanderlust and settle down and be right at home forever in Aunt Polly's parlor. Where are all the real men is a regular fair or talk show um, for talk shows and new books. This is so true. You asked him to be women, I want to say. The result is a gender confusion never experienced at such a wide level in the history of the world. How can a man know he is one when his highest aim is minding his manners? Listen, in other words, what John is saying is this, is how can a man ever figure out who God has called him to be if the main thing that society expects of him is to be nice? Now, then John goes on to say this, talking to us fellas in the room. He said, in all of our boyhood dreams growing up, did we ever dream of becoming a nice guy? (laughs) If you're a man in this room, you know the answer is what? No, not a single one of us did, right? Listen, as I was preparing for this morning, I I realized something that I I didn't expect. and, And this is what I realized. I realized that the expectation that our society you know, even as simple things of this, if you go to the YMCA, they're, they're, everybody's a winner, right? That, that, that just our society, not picking on the Y, but our society has basically uh, 
the same, let me say it this way, the same expectation that the society has put on men isn't really any different from the one that the church has put on the men that come to church. And, and here's what I mean by that is we tell men all the time that if they're going to become more like Jesus, then they better learn how to be nice because Jesus was a really nice guy. In fact, they, we show pictures like this of Jesus. As they say in South Louisiana, Masha. That's just cute, right? That looks nice. And I'm not saying that that's not a piece of who Jesus is. But, but here's the thing. Question I have for you today. Was Jesus really nice? I, I think the answer is this. It depends. See, to most people, the answer was yes, meaning this, that Jesus was meek and mild towards those who sought him. He displayed humility, grace, and mercy towards the broken. He was tender and compassionate towards those who were in need. He wept with his, when his friend Lazarus died, and we know he wept again uh, over the spiritual condition of Jerusalem. We know that the Bible says that he's the rose of Sharon. He's the lily of the valley. We know that he's the lamb of God. So, yes, Jesus was nice. After all, we know that the Bible says he is the very definition of love. But, but watch this. If our image of Jesus or our view of Jesus stops there, then we stop short of who he really is. After all, does the Bible not say that this same Jesus is the one who got angry and flipped over the temple tables, then drove the people out of the temple with a whip that he made? Listen, is this not the same Jesus that, that stood toe-to-toe against every challenge and against every accusation of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Is this not the same Jesus that literally stood in the face of angry mobs that were either trying to stone him or throw him off a cliff? Let me ask you today. Basically, did Jesus tiptoe around issues? Listen, out of fear, was he, uh, was he so scared that, man, how am I going to come off? It might not be politically correct, right? Or, or was he afraid that the truth might hurt someone's feelings? Did he shy away from confrontation? Did he run away from the man with a legion of demons? Listen, as the good shepherd, does he stand by and let the enemy devour his sheep? Think about this. When's the last time you thought about what was going on really in Jesus when he stood in the Garden of Gethsemane and three to, three to six hundred men, what theologians say, were coming at him with torches and weapons and all this stuff trying to come get him. Uh, you know, what, what did he do? Did he cower down? Did he, did he wilt in fear? Did he try to convince them to sign a good peace treaty? <laughs> he faced them. In fact, I love what the Bible says. It says that he looked at them and he said this, if you're looking for me, my disciples, let them go. You deal with me. That's guts, y'all. That's guts. You, you, know, you know, today people want to fight, and what they do, they throw everybody in front of them, right? And then they act like they're big. Jesus said, hey, back off. I got this. And because we know right before that what happens, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, all these guys come and they said, basically, who are you looking for? They said, uh, basically, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He said, I am, which we know is a declaration of God. And what happened? All those men hit the ground. The power of God hit them. I love that verse. Look, if all that's not enough, I think we need to remember that Jesus was a man's man who worked with his hands. That he commanded the loyalty of rough fishermen. You can't be a princess man and do that. (laughs) Listen, is he not the line of Judah? Listen, the Bible says he's the Lord of hosts, the captain of the angel armies. I love what Revelation 19 says. It says that when he returns, uh, he's at the head of a dreadful company. And guess what? He's mounted on a white horse with eyes like blazing fire with a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. And what will happen? He's going to strike the nations with that, right? And if that, you know, wasn't enough, once again, what happened is, is the Bible says that he, his robe was dipped in blood. Here's my point. There's something fierce in the heart of God. Right? 
There's something fierce. So, so once again, let me ask you this question. Uh, was Jesus really nice? As you can see, it all depends. What does it depend on? It depends on which side you're on. So why am I saying all this? Please don't miss this. Because I think some of us in this room, men and women, okay, we need to be set free of a false image of Jesus. We need to see, the, see him in his fullness, right? We need to see that, guess what, that he's kind, yes, but guess what, uh, he is also a warrior. I love that side of Jesus. Listen, I think some of us, and this is what I'm saying, that some of us in this room need to realize that a lot, uh, say it plainly, we need to realize why a lot of men are bored with Christianity, and we, need to, and we need to understand why they simply don't want anything to do with the church. And this is why. It's because as the church, we have done a great job at making Jesus look like a pansy. And, and what man wants to be a pansy? Are you hearing me today? And maybe most importantly, the reason I'm going to say this because of this, is that I think some of us in this room, talking about guys, uh, we need to remember get a revelation of whose image we really bear. And we need to begin to see that there's more to all of this than just becoming nice. So throw a question on you here. Am I saying that men shouldn't be nice? I'm saying it depends. Is this not true? Man. Let me put it this way. I think it's extremely difficult for any man to feel, once again, empowered or to be successful in his God-given design and identity when society is constantly trying to strip away his masculinity. And at the same time, when the church is trying to put on him a false image or a false identity that he was never designed to carry. So today, fellas, it's really simple. I, you know, once again, y'all, y'all may get something out of this, you may not, Whatever. But, but it's this, is that I'm hoping that somewhere in our, in our bellies, we begin to reclaim who we are. So let's shift gears here. Let's talk for a second about just basically our God-given design as fellas. I want to start off with a familiar passage, Genesis 127. It says this. It says, God created human beings. He created them God-like. In other words, he created them in the likeness of his nature. Once again, to reflect his nature. So it says this. It says that he created them male and female. Watch this. I don't think I can speak for everyone, but I think most of us in this room, when we read that verse, we automatically assume that Adam and Eve were both created in the same location, but that's not what the Bible tells us. Probably haven't given much thought to that. Notice what Genesis 2.8 says. It says, Then the Lord God planted the Garden of Eden in the east, and there he planted, or there he put the man he had made. Get that. So he made the garden, then he planted Adam in it. But watch what the Bible says here. It says, but when it comes to Eve, it's Genesis 2.18, it says that the Lord realized, man, it's not good for men to be alone. Can I get amen, fellas? That was all right. All right, here we go. She might have wanted more. All right, here we go. 
It's not good for man to be alone. And then he said this, I'm going to make a helper that will be just right for him. And what happened, it says that we know that God put Adam to sleep. No, it never says he woke him up, but we'll leave that alone. But it says that Adam went to sleep, and, and it says that God took from his rib, and he created the woman. Now, where did all of this happen? In the garden. Are you seeing this? What's the point? Obviously, guys, both Adam and Eve, man and woman, look, we're all created in the image of God. And each one of us reflect and portray God's heart and God's nature to the world. Correct? Correct? Equally. Okay? But just maybe, just a thought here today, that where they were created had an impact on which part of God's design they would ultimately put on display. You see, Eve was created in the beauty of a garden. But Adam, he was created outside the garden where theologians call the wilderness. There might be more in this than we naturally think. Let, let me just even say it this way. Just slide the point in and move on. If a guy says he wants to look beautiful, something's wrong. <laughs> All right? And the reason is, is because guess what? He was not born or created from the beauty of a garden. But a woman is, and it's in her nature to feel beautiful. Right? So, listen, in in my opinion, and and a lot of this is coming from a a great book. I'll just throw it out there. It's called Wild at Heart. Okay? But but this is, uh, John Eldridge did an excellent job of capturing the difference of all this. And what he did is he compared a, a, basically a man's design and a woman's design. And I want to give it to you briefly here today. Basically, he said said this, at the core of every man, he desires three things. Fellas, I believe this will resonate with you. Number one, every man wants a battle to fight. Number two... He, has, he basically wants to venture to live. Number three, and he wants the beauty to rescue. Whereas on the core of every woman, this is what she desires. Number one, I'm not saying that, once again, don't put all this, there, there's a combination of this stuff. And number one, every woman desires to be fought for. She wants to be pursued, she wants to be noticed, and she wants to be wanted. Can I get amen from the ladies? Number two, a woman wants an adventure to share. Notice, fellas, please notice, she doesn't want to be an adventure. She doesn't want to be the adventure. She doesn't want to be conquered. What she wants in her own strength is to do what? She wants to be a part of one. Get that. She wants to be a part of it. That's, that's why there's, there's that peace in every man that's so independent. And we could just do our thing. But, but a woman wants to... And the reason is because of that right there. She wants to be by your side. Why? Because she wants to, be, uh, she wants to partake in the adventure. And I will say this, man. If you don't, if you don't learn that there's an adventure out there to go, to go find, to go, get, go at, then guess what? She's going to go find one on her own. Okay? Number three, every woman, based at the core of who she is, basically wants a beauty to unveil. You, you know, when I think about that, I think about this. I think about how often... Uh, my, my baby little girl that just turned 11 last week, I think it was last week, Jesus help me. <laughs> Things are growing that I don't like that are growing, okay? So, <laughs> is that too honest? Help me, Jesus. I'm not ready for this. So, but, but when I read that, what I see is I see my little girl, how many times she would be in her room and she would put on some, uh, some Disney princess-like dress, right? She had a handful of them. And she would come out of her room and she would do a few twirls and she would kick off a few ballerina dance moves, you know, raw as can be. And, and uh, what was the whole intent behind it? 
Daddy, please see me and notice me, and please affirm me that I am beautiful. Are you with me? Because why? Because in her, from God, there's what? She desires to release or to reveal a beauty. Amen? So, I think so often, I'll say this, when I read this, when I saw that um, Genesis 126, and God said, let us make man in our image, or mankind, I always thought about it from a dude's perspective. I never thought about it from a woman's perspective because I'm not a woman, right? So, thank God. Anyway, so, um, but what's so amazing, if, if, if you take those three, uh, you will find, talking about the women there, you'll find every one of them is found in the Word of God. This morning we worshiped. Why? Because as we worship Him in the beauty of His holiness. That was a part of the woman's side there. Y'all following me? Basically, uh, with how a woman is created in the image of God, we, we, we connected with that this morning. Right? He unveiled his beauty in worship. Am I making sense? Yes, no, maybe. See Angelo afterwards. He'll clear it up. All right. No pressure, Angelo. All right, so here we go. So in the integrity of today's message, I want to focus on the top three that we talked about for men. Okay? I want to talk about those three things, and, and we'll roll on here. Number one. At the core of every man, he desires, we said, number one, a battle to fight. Listen, for proof of this one, I, I, don't, I don't really need to look too far. Um, I personally see evidence of this one every single day right there with my three boys. Um, is that not awesome? Just leave that up there. Just let it hang. All right, listen. My three boys, they are not interested in playing Barbies. They're not interested in playing dress-up. They're not interested in playing some, some tea time party, whatever they call that thing. These guys want to attack something, right? Listen, they're constantly inventing scenarios where there's danger, where there's a good fight. And, of course, uh, all the time, somebody's got to die. It just happens. And here's what I love. It doesn't matter if they're trying to jump from one tile in the bathroom floor to the next one. There's always this pit with alligators in it. Right? Once again, it's this, it's this scenario, danger, right? But, but this is why they uh, routinely emerge from their rooms decked out in capes, masks, camouflage, or one of their superhero costumes. And what are they always doing? They're always wielding some kind of weapon. Always. Listen, and what's funny is when these guys go outside, it doesn't take too long, if not, I guess, uh, for one of them, if not all of them, to find a stick. And when they find a stick in their hand, right, they go running around the yard, and of course, it's never just a stick in their hand, right? Because in their imagination, it's a gun, it's a sword, it's a, it's a, it's a bow staff, it's a bow and arrow, it's a spear. You get in the picture. Uh, th- their weapon of choice, it changes daily, but guess what? The purpose of it never does. Why? Because they're looking for a battle to fight. And as you expect, guess what? They're playing the hero in their imaginary war. Are you with me? That's why it's proof. Let me kind of throw this out there, okay? That's why all these, all these ladies, God bless y'all. I love y'all. Y'all are beautiful. But they go, don't buy that boy a gun. Don't buy that boy a sword. You're going to teach him violence. It's proof that he'll go find a stick and he'll make one. You don't have to supply one. He'll supply one himself. And it's even this, it's, I, I love Luke, my, my, my little guy's aggressive. He, that boy will take an animal cracker and he'll chew it in the shape of a pistol. <laughs> Guess what? He's three years old. Three, okay? I love it, right? Now, why do my boys do this? Why did your boys do this? Fellas, why did you do that when you were a kid? 
It's because without all of us even knowing, guess what we're looking for? We're looking for affirmation. We, we want to know this. We want to know if we're powerful, if we're strong, if we're courageous, and if we have what it takes. And, fellows, if we're being honest today, the truth is this, is we never quite grow out of the need for that affirmation. So, in spite of what society and even the church says, helping you guys here, aggression is hardwired, hardwired into the masculine design. Are y'all hearing me, ladies? Listen, this is not by accident, okay? Once again, if we're creating the image of God, notice what Exodus 15, 3 says. I love this verse. It says, the Lord is a what? He's a warrior. The Lord is his name. I love that. Now, here's what's awesome. As I was going over this, I realized last night that, that without Jen and I even noticing it, the names that we felt led to, to name our children bear out this truth. I love it. This is so cool. I told Jen this last night. She gave me a fist bump. It was a great moment. Um, but here's what's so cool is, is we really prayed and sought God's heart uh, because, you know, I've told you guys this before. I just believe that when we speak our kids' name, we're speaking their destiny. Okay, so I took that serious, right? So, so one, of, one of my kids' middle names is Cole, and I love what Cole means. It means victory. And here's, here's why, why I say it bears it out, because you can't have a victory if there's not a struggle or a fight. Another one of my boys' middle names is this, and he hates it, but it's okay. It fits him so well. It's, it's Alexander. And, and Alexander means defender of man. You, you can't defend someone if they're not being attacked. That's the definition there. And, and the last one, it's actually his first name. He goes by his middle name. But his first name is Owen. And that means this. It means young, noble warrior. And what do warriors do? They fight. Y'all seeing the picture here today. I, let me maybe sidetrack here. The reason I'm saying this is because I feel like society wants us to fit in this pretty little box and just behave. There's a reason we like football. There's a reason we like sports, the competition, all those things, is because that's how, there, there's an aggression that comes out in all of that. And, and let me maybe say this. You, you guys know I'm super pro-military. All these kids were trying to tell them, no, don't do this. No, don't play rough. No, don't hit them. No, don't fight. No, don't do this. We need to understand that one day that kid, let me say it this way, he just might be in training. Because why? Because he might need to defend you one day. Yes? Number two, every man needs an adventure to live. Once again, I love it. I don't have to look that much further than my boys. Uh, Man, if they're not attacking something, they're exploring. And uh, they're constantly trying to do this, catch bugs, frogs, salamanders. Do catch a salamander, salamanders, try to make them pets. They live about a day. All right, so... Anyways, if it's worms, and unfortunately, my boys, they even try to catch snakes. Caden had one by the tail the other day and got mad that it got away. <laughs> Y'all thinking we're bad parents. Don't call, don't call social services. All right, here we go. <laughs> but the truth is, man, is only God knows how many rocks those boys have flipped over my yard looking for those things. Right? And the funny thing is, is if they're not trying to chase some kind of critter, uh, what are they doing? Man, they're, they're climbing rocks. They're seeing how far and how high they can jump. They're trying to see how fast they can run. Even this, I, you know, I was thinking about this last night. Um, last summer, we got the opportunity to have like a mini vacation on the cottage on the ocean. And my son's highlight moment, his cadence, his highlight moment was he caught 73 crabs in one afternoon. 
Now, now, why do they do all of that? It's simply because of this. It's because in all of that lies an adventure. See, if I'm honest with you, and, and you know, don't take this too far, but sometimes I find myself daydreaming doing this. Man, what would happen if I sold everything, packed up my family, and moved to a foreign country? And the funny part is, it's not because I feel some strong pull to the mission field. It's because in my heart, I desire an adventure. Because you see, it's this. An adventure, of course, is fun, right? But what makes an adventure exhilarating for a man is this, is it requires something of him. There's a challenge there. It's where, it's where they're pushed beyond their limits. It's where they're put to the test. It's where they're put in a position to discover if they have what it takes or not. Can they hack it? Can they, can they do it? But maybe most of all, I think this, and here's why a man enjoys a really good adventure, is because it makes us take risk. It makes us take a risk. And, and I think it's possibly there in that last word, the word risk. I think that's where uh, we can maybe capture best uh, the adventure heart of God. Let me explain this to you. Do we not think that it was an adventure when God gave angels, even man, a free will? That was a risk. Do we not think it was a risk when God put the tree of knowledge of good and evil right in the middle of the garden? Listen, was it, was it not a great risk when he handed the gospel to a few uneducated fishermen, a hated tax collector, and a crazy zealot, and said, you know what, this message, it, it, people's eternities hang in the balance. And he said, you know what, I'm trusting you to go to the nations with it. And if that wasn't crazy enough to bring this home, he later passed the ball to you and I. I don't know about you, but I, when I look in the mirror, I go, my God, that's a big risk. Because I know me, right? That God is saying, guess what? I'm willing to trust you. That's a risk. And I think maybe we would all agree that the ultimate risk in life is to love. Why? Because when you love deeply, you get hurt deeply. But yet, we know the Bible says, for God so loved the world. What? Without any guarantee that we would love him back. If you want to talk about adventure, how about this? How about when Moses was standing in between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea? That's an adventure. How about when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was thrown in the fire? How about Daniel thrown in the lion's den? Or how about this fellow that we don't ever talk about in church, but he's probably one of my favorite guys in the Bible, a good old Benaiah. I love Benaiah. That Benaiah, here's this guy, he, he says, you know what, just for kicks, I'm going to jump down in that cave and I'm going to kill the lion. And it adds in there, just to add to the drama for us Mainers, it was a snowy day. <laughs> the Bible also says that Benaiah did this, that Benaiah saw a seven and a half foot Egyptian and he ran over to him and he snatched a spear from the fella and then he killed him with it. I love that. I, I love it when it says that David's mighty men, it says that they, that they took a stand in a field and they fought. I love it. It mentions one of them. It says that he found that he was literally a lentil field, a field of beans, y'all. He took, he took basically a stand and he killed hundreds of Philistines. I like it. The Bible says that one of them took his spear and he killed 800 men. You got to be pretty good with a spear to kill 800 fellas. And that was one afternoon. Right? And then the Bible also says this. It says that Eleazar says he fought so long that the sword stuck in his hand. And for you fellas, just for good drama, because we like a good war movie, is how about when, uh, you're talking about God being on an adventure, when he saw Gideon and his 32,000 men and said, you know what, nah, that's not how I want to do it. 
And he whittled it down to 300. And he says, better yet, guess what? Give me your weapons. Here's your torch and here's your water jug. Go get them. You can't tell me that God doesn't love a good adventure. The book is full of them. Are you all hearing me today? The point is this, in spite of society and even the church, what they all try to put on men, try to get them in this neat little box, right? God wants us to go on an adventure with him. Are you hearing me, men? God wants to go on an adventure with him, and I'm not talking about going to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. Are you with me? You, You know, I think so often we allow what we have to do for a living suck the adventure out of us. But, you know, I think God wants us to be willing to break out of the monotonous box and live uh, a life that begins to do this, that begins to dream big and believe big. Are you hearing me, guys? In other words, let me maybe say this to you, and this is strong. But but if there's nothing in your life that requires you to get on your face before God and say, God, I got to have you, you are not in the will of God. You understand that? L- listen, because God never calls us to, to live a life that doesn't depend, him, depend on Him. Because when we don't have to depend on Him, what happens? We become God to ourselves. Number three, a beauty to rescue. I love this. Listen, John Eldridge points out this, that King Arthur had his Guinevere. That Robin Hood rescued his maid Marion. I love it. <laughs> Listen, because there's not a man in this room that doesn't want a beautiful woman at his side. Should have said amen. (laughs) Training begins tomorrow. All right, here we go. Listen, there's not a man in this room that's not willing to do almost anything to win a woman's heart. So true. Good job, Roger. He's learning, learning, learning. He's my assistant teacher tomorrow. All right. I want you to think about this, men. If it wasn't for Guinevere, if it wasn't for our maid Marion, then guess what? Who would we be? Here's what we'd be. We'd be lonely men fighting lonely battles. Are you understanding that? We'd be lonely men fighting lonely battles. I want you to think about this for a minute. What would be the point in fighting a battle if you can't become someone's hero in the process? Remember that thing you desired as a boy? It's the same thing, but you're just grown up. <laughs> Listen, the battle itself, guys, will never be enough to satisfy the desires of our heart. That's why a man can climb the corporate ladder and make millions of dollars and be miserable. Listen, what would be the fun of an adventure if we don't have someone to enjoy it with? Once again, the adventure in itself will never be enough to satisfy the longings of our heart. Because why? Because it's just as God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I want you to check out what Nehemiah said in chapter 4. He said this. Get the picture. Few brave souls, they've been called upon by Nehemiah to do what? To defend a wallless Jerusalem. And here's what he said to motivate them. Here, let me, everybody look here, okay? Here was his William Wallace moment. Have you ever seen Braveheart? Okay? I, I, don't, I don't support everything in that movie, but a majority of it I love. Okay? So, so you, remember, you remember when William Wallace... They were getting ready to go, to go to war, and he rode out there on his horse, and he gave the speech. This was Nehemiah's speech in this moment. He said this. He said, don't be afraid. Fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, and who? Your wives and your homes. 
I want you to think about something today. I think so often we forget that when David went out to fight Goliath, there was a woman that was promised. I think we forget that when Samson took the donkey's jawbone and, and killed a thousand Philistines, we think, wow, what a moment. But why did he do that? It was because of his wife. Do we forget that Jesus came to rescue his bride? See, there's this thing, guys, I want you to see that, that for all the fierceness and, and just this, you know, the manly side of God, he still has a romantic heart. And I stink at romance, so I'm kind of preaching myself here. But, 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 but I do have this down. He's a jealous lover. Are you with me? See, the point's really simple is this. It's this, that I believe the enemy would love for us to become disinterested in our wives. And when he, if he can get us disinterested in our wives, he'll get us lustful for another woman. True? L- listen, I think God, God, and maybe in this moment if I can say this, that, that um, let, me, let me say this. Let me, let, me, let me stop for a second. If you're a guy in here, and I know, God, I know women struggle with this too, but if you're a guy that struggles with pornography, that's the reason. You, you, you have forgotten about the beauty that you've been called to rescue. And what you, what you have failed to forget is this, is it's not just once to win her heart to convince her to marry you. It's this, it's a daily thing. Because why? Because daily, it's about winning her affection. You know, listen, I'm not the best at that, but, but I will say this, that's definitely something that we've been called to do. Yes? We, we wonder why they're miserable, maybe because of us. That's fun to eat that sandwich, isn't it? (laughs) But if I can just say this in faith, I think God wants us to rekindle our passion and our desire to fight for their affection once again. Amen? Here's why. Once again, whose image are we created in? We're creating the image of God. And the Bible says this in Isaiah 62.5. It says this, As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. Fellas, we've been called to rejoice over our bride. Okay? It says, so will your God rejoice over you. Now, let me say this. As I was preparing, I kept going, God, why am I saying all this? Like, wh- why are you having me talk about this? I, literally, I'm looking at that. I went and I told Jen last night. I was like, I don't even know if there's a single point in any of this. Like, really, of something. Like, there was nothing that was just, ugh. It just, it just felt flat to me. But here's the one thing I feel like, if you can get anything out of today, get this. And I, I think the enemy is using this to try to rob some of us men in this room of our God-given design. And this isn't going to make much sense when I said it first, but I'll explain. Here's my wording. <laughs> Too often the enemy deceives us into believing that our number one and number three are one and the same, thus robbing us of our number two. Explain. I'm just going to read. I think he uses certain situations and circumstances. For some reason, the word finances keeps coming up to me. I'll just throw that out there. To cause us to lose sight of our real battle. It says, when we start fighting the woman that was meant to be our beauty, not our enemy, therefore robbing both of us of the adventure of marriage we were called to share together. Does that make sense? That, that, that it, you know, once again, here I am as a man, right? Everybody says suppress all that aggression. Obviously, you're not supposed to get angry at your wife and holler at your wife. That's, that's not, but you, you, you're supposed to realize that you're, you were born into a spiritual battle, right? We're part of the army of God. We were born to fight 
but, but part of that is to recognize, guess what, who the enemy is. The enemy is not our wives. And if the enemy can cause enough, uh, you know, basically dishonor, disrespect, uh, issues, whatever, circumstances, where I, I take my gaze off the real fight and I make my wife the fight, and we fight, 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 then basically it robs us of that middle thing that both of us desire, and that's that fun adventure, that faith, dream, you know, God dream adventure where man, we dream for the impossible. It, it robs us of that, and when it robs us of that, it robs us of the enjoyment of life. Am I making sense to you guys? So here's a, a verse, and I'm going to say something to the ladies, okay? Proverbs 4.23 says this. Fellas, this is for you. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If I can say this, it, it guards your heart because in it are those three core desires. If you don't guard your heart, you'll, you'll lose your way in those things. Amen? All right, I want to read something, and, and listen, ladies, I'm going to ask... For loads of grace right now. Okay. I'm going to ask you for mercy. I have no intentions necessarily in saying this. But I feel like I need to say it. And, and my, my hope is. That, so I read this the other day. And I'm telling you. You, you ever had those moments. Where you read something. And it just goes. You're like man. There's truth there. And, and so I, I'm saying this. Because I think this is. I think there's truth. And my prayers that God will speak to you. I'll leave it at that. Okay. In his book. John Eldridge said this. Talking about Adam and Eve. And, you know, for, I've been saved quite a while. Never mind, just let me say it. And take me out of this and blame John for this. All right, here we go. It says, needless to say, the story, talking about Adam and Eve. Needless to say, the story doesn't go well. Adam fails, he fails Eve. And the rest of humanity. He says, let me ask you a question. Where is Adam while the serpent is tempting Eve? He says, he's standing right there. Then it quotes the verse, Genesis 3, 6. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. It says, then he ate it too. And he says, the Hebrew word for with her means right there, elbow to elbow. It says, Adam isn't away in another part of the forest. He has no alibi. He is standing right there watching the whole thing unravel. What does he do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He says, not a word, doesn't lift a finger. He won't risk, he won't fight, and he won't rescue Eve. Our first father, the first real man, gave in to paralysis. He denied his very nature and went passive. And every man after him, every son of Adam, carries in his heart now the same failure. Every man repeats the sin of Adam every day. We won't risk, we won't fight, and we won't rescue Eve. We truly are a chip off the old block. All right, so I'm not saying that part for the women, clearly. All right, but I will say this, men. Jesus came as the last Adam and redeemed us of every bit of that. So we could do what God's called us to do. Walk in that, of, of walk in basically your redemptive calling. And then he goes on to say this, what about Eve? And I'm saying this because a lot of women always want to point to Adam in this. But he says, but what about Eve? Is it really all Adam's fault? And he says, no. And ladies, please get this. He said this, Eve is deceived and rather easily, I might add. As my friend, Jane... So Jane Myers points out, so once again, this part is from a, a woman in one of her books. It says, basically, in the allure of hope, Jane says, Eve was convinced that God was withholding something from her. That's the part that I read that just, because I've thought about how many women sit back and actually still feel like God is withholding something from them. 
Am I making sense to you guys? That you don't have an opportunity. Well, I'm not happy. He's not this. He's not that. He's da-da-da-da-da. And somehow in your heart, you're really blaming God for all of that. Are you guys hearing me? That why can't I become this? Why am I not that? So if I can add, I think women still believe that lie. That's for me. (laughs) So he says this, not even the extravagance of Eden would convince her that God's heart is good. Said when Eve was deceived, the artistry of being a woman took a fateful dive into the barren places of control and loneliness. I'll get that. Says now every daughter of Eve wants to control her surroundings, her relationships, and even her God. Says no longer is she vulnerable. Now she will be grasping. No longer, once again, because God's withholding something from me, so I got to get it. No longer does she want simply to share in the adventure. Now she wants to control it. And as for her beauty, she either hides it in fear and anger or she uses it to secure her place in the world. Then this, uh, Jan goes on to say, In our fear that no one will speak on our behalf, talking about women, or protect us or fight for us, we start to recreate both ourselves and our role in the story. It says we manipulate our surroundings so we don't feel so defenseless. And then it says fallen Eve either becomes rigid or clingy. Put simply, Eve is no longer simply inviting. She is either hiding in busyness or demanding that Adam come through for her. Usually an odd combination of both. Y'all get anything out of that? I'm just like, listen, I'm not saying that throw rocks at anybody. But we can go all day long. Men, you got to do this. But ladies, you got to do this. Right? We, we got to reclaim. L- listen, there's nothing wrong with the way God created you in the beauty of the garden. Don't try to be a man. No, no fellow wants to be married to uh, somebody like him. Are, are you all with me? I, I, but, but I don't. Listen, listen, I'm not talking about just physically. I'm talking about even just the way we're wired. Uh, uh, there's a part of a man that, that uh, longs for the tenderness of his wife, of what makes a lady a lady. Are, are y'all following me? It, it, it's like, um, I'll just leave it there, okay? It, it's, it's no different than, than, than a woman looks at her man and goes, man, I want him to be strong. I want to feel safe and, and secure in his presence. I want to do, it's the same thing. So, so you know, you know, it's kind of like this. If a man is too tender too often, something's wrong. And if a woman's always trying to be strong, 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 then something's wrong. Something's out of order. We need to find who we are. Is that okay to say that to y'all? Yes. Awesome. Let's pray and we'll get out of here. Father, we simply come before you today in Jesus' name. Father, you're the one that created us, even as we read earlier there in Genesis 127. You created us male and you created us female. And God, the truth is, is you created us not to contradict one another. You created us to complement one another. The truth is, is God, is is when we work together, God, uh, the world around us has an opportunity to see a complete picture of who you are. And Father, I'm just asking today, God, simply uh, for all of us in this room, Lord, if, if there's something that is, has been forgotten 
or something that has been tried to be uh, grabbed a hold of that we weren't supposed to try to grab a hold of, of a piece of an identity. Um, Lord, I'm asking today, God, that you would begin to, uh, just in our hearts, because you're so, you're so tender and so gracious, I'm asking, God, that you would come in our hearts, God, and you would begin to rearrange it. God, I'm praying that the men of this church, God, would be who you've called them to be, God, that they would reclaim and walk in the design that you have for their lives. Lord, I pray, God, that they wouldn't be afraid of that part that says, man, that there's a fight that's in me, that they wouldn't be afraid of the part that desires to risk it all and have an adventure, that they wouldn't be afraid of that part that says, man, I, you know, let me... Um, you know, fight for a rescue, you know, the beauty of my life. Lord, I pray, God, that no longer would they be passive and be on the sidelines and just go, what will be, will be, and just kind of accept it for what it is. Lord, I pray today, God, that every one of us would step into our divine calling, and God, we'd begin to walk in it. And Father, if there's something there that for the, for the ladies here today, God, if they've tried to somehow look at you and go, Lord, uh, you, you know, you're holding something back from me. Lord, I pray that there would be great resolve in their hearts today, God, that there'd be contentment in their hearts, understanding, God, that you said in your word, Lord, that you would open up doors that no man can open, and you would shut doors that no man can shut. And the Father, that just that there'd be a peace that's in us, so there could be a peace in our home. So, Lord, I'm asking, God, if there's any unrest that's in us today, God, that there would be, literally, that you would speak peace to it in Jesus' name. You speak order to it in Jesus' name. So, Lord, today, I just thank you for these men. I thank you, God, for the anointing on their lives. Lord, I pray that this would be a season where they would rise and become all that you've destined them to be. Listen, I would be just all eyes closed and all heads bowed just for a second. I, I would be totally off, off the rocker here if I didn't give any fella that's in this room today an opportunity uh, to step into their real destiny. And it's, first of all, it's this, it's to be a son of God. We can talk about these three things that are at the core of every man, but unless you really walk with God and know him, it's impossible. So, you know, just simple question. If, you, if you're here today or if you're a woman here today and you know, man, I, I, you, know, you can't step into those three things that God has for you unless you're a daughter of God. I'm just asking you, if you need to get right with God today uh, to start on your journey, please lift your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks, brother. Anybody else? Says, man, today's my day. I just want to get right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let me just pray for you. Father, you saw who lifted their hand. And, Father, we're just simply asking in our heart. God, just as when you said in Luke 15 that uh, the prodigal son was a far way off. God, that you ran to them. Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would run to these men and these women that have lifted their hands today. God, in their own hearts, that they just do what your word says. It says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, Lord, we're asking today, in fact, Lord, we're declaring today that Jesus is the Son of God. We thank you today that Jesus did die on a cross, and he did raised from the dead three days later. So one day we could have eternal life with you. In fact, Lord, we even know that eternal life is now, God, of just knowing you. And so, Lord, today, God, just in our own hearts, we just say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. I want uh, you to come and lead and guide me. So, Lord, we repent of our sins. We repent of trying to do things our own way. And, Lord, we just say, God, the way you're going, we're going to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. 
Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.